Okay, hi, and welcome back to House Wine. Uh, this is a show for anyone who would like to know about wine, uh, learn about wine, drink good wine. I am Rachel, I'm the host, and I also write and produce this show. I'm a certified sommelier, uh, I'm from Toronto, and I have the pillow fort all set up. Uh, it's not nighttime, it's actually daytime, so hopefully it's quiet enough. Um, I've given uh, Pino a little bone, so... He's making some bone noises in the other room, uh, so hopefully that's not too distracting. Um, And I know that previously I said I was going to be good and I was going to post once every other week, Uh, and I did have this episode mostly ready, uh, ready to go. I just had some editing stuff that I had to do, Um, and then I got into a car accident. I am fine. No one was hurt, but... I just had to like deal with that. <laughs> so I didn't get to post on time. I feel like every time I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm going to post on time and it's going to be fine, uh like something happens and then I and then I don't. Life stuff happens. Um but we're only a week behind, so that's okay. It's totally fine. Um we are ready to go. And we're going to talk about an interesting place today, uh, a place that's a little bit different. So today we're going to talk about the wine uh, that, and a place up until very recently, I will fully admit uh, that I knew absolutely nothing about. Um, But I've been doing a lot of work lately on regions that are a little bit lesser known or a little bit off the radar. And it's taken me to some pretty interesting kind of wine regions all around the world, places like Morocco and Tunisia. And though I knew that they're making wine on the island of Cyprus, which is what we're going to talk about today, uh, and they've been doing it for a very long time, it's a very old winemaking culture. Um, When I started to read about it, I was very quickly caught up in how fascinating I found the history and the wines of this place. And Although I don't believe I've ever had a Cypriot wine uh, to this date yet, Uh, It will be something that I start hunting down for sure, even if just to be able to sort of like drink this slice of history, which the more I get into wine and the more we talk about history on this show is something uh, that is drawing me more and more to these really historical centers of winemaking. And it's kind of making me love wine in a different and new way. So Cyprus, I admittedly didn't really even know where Cyprus was. Um, I realized when I set out to read and study about Cyprus that I had confused it with Gibraltar (laughs) for basically, I guess, my whole life. But I can now safely say that Cyprus is an island and it's in the Mediterranean off the southern coast of Turkey. It's not close to Spain. It's close to Turkey. Uh, Its closest neighbor is actually Syria. And though it is by production not a huge wine region, they have a long history and a really fascinating history of wine and of grape growing. And that's even though they're like, I think, 50th in the world uh, with production. Uh, They're in fact one of the oldest known makers of wine in the world with production dating back over 5,000 years. So being an island in the middle of the Mediterranean, Cyprus has switched hands a lot over the years. So we're going to talk about history in this episode, but really only where it pertains to wine and winemaking culture on the island, because I am A, 
not a full historian. Uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, this is not a history show. Um, and B, it would just be too much. This is a place that is full of all kinds of history and scandal right up until modern times. Uh, some of you may or may not know uh, that Cyprus has like a demarcated zone running through it. And there is an independent Republic of Cyprus. And then there is Turkish Cyprus. And right into the 21st century, they've been at war with one another. So there's a lot going on here. Turkey has a huge influence on wine here as well. So Let's go way back and start with the very first wines that they were making in Cyprus. They were making wine here long before uh, they were even colonized by the Greeks, which we do know that the Greeks and the Egyptians were trading wine with Cyprus and that there was significant Greek influence on the island as early as the 2300s BCE. And we know this from a shipwreck uh, a Greek shipwreck that was carrying remains of amphora, those clay pots uh, that were used for carrying wine that have come up before. And those remains of amphora were not from Greece, though they were en route to Greece. The remains of those amphora were made out of clay that was made in Cyprus, meaning the wine was most likely from Cyprus itself. So we know that not only were they making wine this early, but they were also trading their wine this early. Probably the most interesting thing that comes up about the ancient history of wine in Cyprus is that in the 1930s, some wooden boxes were uncovered from a burial site in Cyprus, and they were dated back to 3000 or somewhere between 3000 and 3500 BCE. So very, very old wooden boxes. Uh, no one had opened these boxes, even though they were discovered in the 1930s, until 2005. And when they opened them, they found fragments of pottery and some clay jars. The residue on the jars contained tartaric acid, which is a compound that is found in fermented fruits, specifically grapes and bananas. Now, they weren't fermenting bananas on Cyprus, which leads us now to believe that wine has been made on the island of Cyprus for, as much as we know, the better part of 5,500 years. In case you didn't know, <laughs> I love this kind of thing. I probably should have just gone back to school and become like an archaeologist or a historian or something, but I was uh, too busy for the better part of my 20s trying to pretend that I wasn't a nerd, so I became a sommelier instead, and that is where we land today. So Cypriot wines were most likely Greek-influenced, as Cyprus was on a major trade route through the Mediterranean. And in 58 AD, Cyprus officially became part of the Roman Empire. And this is where we start seeing a little bit more sort of um, like written evidence that Cyprus was making lots of wine, even though we know that wines had been made here for almost 3,000 years before the Romans even got there. The wines were mentioned, of course, by our favorite ancient man about the Mediterranean basin, that's Pliny the Elder, uh, who wrote about them in his book of natural history. Though they didn't get the same recognition as the wines that he particularly revered, in Roman times, the wines of Cyprus seem to have been consumed or seem to have been considered to be like good, not the best, but a step up from the wines of Spain, throwback to Spanish wine law, where we learned about how Romans thought the wines of Spain were trash. They were like a decent wine. The wine industry, though, was halted uh, for the most part when the island changed hands during the Middle Ages and became occupied by the Arabs, who ended up splitting the island with the Byzantine Empire, both of which were Muslim and both of which did not drink. 
which really marked a 400-year decline in the Cypriot wine industry. And might I add that I am paraphrasing the amount of times that the island has changed hands. There were more, but I'm using uh, the Wikipedia pa- the Wikipedia page on Cyprus history uh, for this bit. So uh, it goes into a lot of detail, and this because this was a very contentious island. It was right in the middle of the Mediterranean, and everybody wanted it. It was sort of like a like a, a really good tactical point. And during the Crusades, uh, which was another hot time for wine in history, uh, we see the island change hands for the most significant time, wine-related-wise, again. And this is when the age of monks really comes into play. Cyprus went back to being primarily under uh, a more Western European rule, uh, first as a base for English crusaders, and it was later ceded to the Venetians. During this time in the Middle Ages, they went back to the feudal system, and there was a renaissance of wine on the island. There was a famous poem in France at the time called the the Bataille du Vin, or the um, Battle of Wine, which was published in the 1100s, and was basically like, if you can imagine, it was the medieval judgment of Paris. They were ranking wines based on their quality and strength, as they put it, and the Archbishop of Reims, or Reims, Reims I think is how you're supposed to say it, Reims is how English people say it. Uh, in France, had introduced these wines uh, to the French nobility, and they were an instant hit. They were revered for being stronger and sweeter than wines being made in Western Europe at the time. And it's during this era that the Venetians began exporting the wines of Cyprus to the rest of the world. And in doing so, uh, they really, for the first time, made the famous wine Camondaria popular. And Camondaria is a style of wine that's still made today. And it can trace its origins back to this time in the 1100s. And we'll talk about Camondaria in a moment when we talk about grapes and styles. But it's pretty unique in the sense that this wine has now been made for over a thousand years. And the style, as far as anyone can tell, still persists today. And that, friends, is the kind of thing that makes me really like weird wine nerd history. Now, I'm not going to get into all of the times, like I said, that Cyprus changed hands over the years because it really starts to happen quite frequently, especially as we sort of move into more modern history. But the takeaway here from the wine perspective is that over the years, it changed hands so many times. And some of the people and governments that took over Cyprus uh, were not wine drinkers. In fact, they were not drinkers at all. So even though the Arab and the Byzantine rule of pre-Crusade era was the longest that Cyprus went without making wine... There were still periods in the lead-up to Cypriot independence where no wine was made on the island. So when other great winemaking countries were really showcasing their winemaking prowess on the world stage, the Cypriot wine scene was quite underground because it had to essentially start from scratch so many times over. And modern Cyprus is really not that different. Although part of the island was given independence, or rather one independence, after the First World War, and then became a member of the EU in its own right in 2008, there's still part of the island, the northern part, that's under Turkish control. As Turkey is not a hugely wine-consuming nation, though they do make a little bit of wine in Turkey, and maybe one day we'll get to a point where we do an episode on Turkish wine, most of the wine that's made in Cyprus is made in the south in the independent Cyprus. Now, before we move from history and start exploring the wines and styles, there's one more thing that's important to note. And it's a major factor that really influenced the way in which Cyprus was making wine in the 20th century. 
For the most part, during the 20th century, the main export market for the wines of Cyprus was the USSR. Cyprus was the main exporter of wine to Soviet Russia and was the main source of kind of like cheap plonk, like quaffable table wines for the masses. So let's get a little into wine law and what they make here today so that if you do happen to come across a bottle of Cypriot wine, hopefully not one of those old bottles of uh, USSR table wine, <laughs> you can know what's up. Uh, and truth be told, I made this episode after studying Cyprus. I was pretty enchanted with the history and the idea of the wine was almost an afterthought because I've never had a wine from Cyprus. So if you get to try one, you have to let me know how it is. So the main feature here, aside from the fact that it's a small island uh, due to the sea influence everywhere you turn, is the Trodus Mountains. And they're in the very middle of the island. Cyprus is hot and there's very little rainfall. So the mountains in the middle of the island make it more possible to grow grapes here because the elevation cools things right down. They are allowed to use irrigation here, but because it's so hot and dry, the water is actually quite scarce near the mountains. So most producers cannot afford the tax or the cost to irrigate their vines. Now, because they became a member of the EU, there's also a PDO system in place here. The regions are divided into PDOs, that is protected designations of origin, and PGIs, protected geographical indications. The latter being sort of the lower rung of this two-tiered pyramid. Although there are seven PDOs uh, from everything that I read, they are not very commonly used. The most frequently used PDO is for the historical sweet wine, Comandaria. And that's really the only one that carries much brand recognition off-island. The others, like the PDO of, I'm going to butcher these, Crasherosoria, Crash, Crashosoria, Lemesu Afamis, don't carry much weight on the international market for some reason. Maybe because they're very hard to say. <laughs> for, you know, us uh, North American English speakers, it's much more likely that winemaking houses uh, use the PGI to label their wines, as all the PGIs are a little bit more um, user-friendly. They're one letter. They're not these, like, three-letter hyphenated names like all seven of the PDO to, PDOs are. Your, your PGIs of Cyprus are Paphos, Lemosos, Larnaca, and Lefkosia. So you can see that uh, the PDO designation names and the language have taken a lot from the Greek model, uh, which makes sense for most of history because this island was loosely associated with Greece for a very, very long time. And this is true when we start to look at the grapes that are growing here, many of which have Greek names in their origin or originated in Greece. Today, Cyprus, like most of the world, leans very heavily on international grapes. Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, Chardonnay, Riesling. And these are really starting to outpace the plantings of native varieties, pretty much for the sole reason that when you're trying to sell a wine from a place that nobody really knows already, it's easier if you're selling a wine that people do actually know. I personally, though, would be much more interested in tasting some of these Greek indigenous styles that are made on Cyprus rather than Shiraz, but maybe we'll get there. <laughs> maybe we'll get there eventually. The most commonly grown grape in Cyprus, though, is called Mavra, M-A-V-R-A, which is just the Greek word for black. And there are many Greek grapes which have the word Mavro built into them or Mavra built into them. 
So the origin of this grape is most likely Greek. It is genetically identical to the Greek grape Kiriti Mavro, and it's hard to tell where this grape comes from because other places call this grape Cipronero, uh, which gives the impression that it made its way out into the Mediterranean from Cyprus and ended up in Greece. However, the Mavro makes it seem like it could be Grecian, and nobody's ever really done the test to find out. You also have Zanestri. Uh, which is the most dominant indigenous white grape, known for growing at much higher elevations up near the Trodos Mountains, where it makes higher acid and crisp styles. There are a few other local varieties here that don't really, they don't really make a ton of them. If you do come across an indigenous wine variety from, Cypri- from Cyprus, uh, it will most likely be one of those two, Mavro or Zanestri. Which brings us to style. These are mostly dry wines, reds and whites and rosés, but there's also some sparkling wines here, mostly made from those higher elevation white wines and international varieties. And then, of course, there's Commandaria, which we've briefly mentioned already. Commandaria is one of the oldest wines in the world that we know of that has been consistently made in the same style in the same way. And they have traced the origin of this wine in written history to the 1300s, but there's much evidence that this wine was being made as early as 800 B.C., mostly from Greek poets who spoke of a wine called Cyprus Nama, which is believed to be the Commandaria of the ancient world. Considering that Commandaria got its name from a class of crusader who were stationed on the island during the Third Crusades, it makes sense that this wine was being made before and then was sort of given this name or had this name attributed to it. It is a semi-sweet dried grape wine, which means essentially that grapes are picked and then laid out on mats to dry in the sun before they are crushed, uh, concentrating the juice and making the resulting wine higher in alcohol. Uh, And usually this wine hovers around 15%, and it also makes the wine sweeter than if it was made out of a non-dried grape. Commandaria is now one of the island's PDOs, uh, like we mentioned, and in fact it is the first to become a legally protected wine and there's an appellation associated with it. It is always grown at the base of the Trodos Mountains using the indigenous grapes Mavro and Zanestri, meaning that Commandaria can be both red or white in style. Also, it can be fortified or unfortified in style and must be aged in wood for a minimum of two years. Though from everything that I've read, it seems that they are aged usually for quite a bit longer And interestingly, they are usually aged in a Solera system that is locally called a mana, M-A-N-A. A A Solera is a way of aging that is most commonly associated with sherry, but that secretly uses is used pretty much all over the world, uh, where you take wine from the bottom of a series of interconnected barrels and then top the barrels uh, with fresh wine that they like to call sort of like a perpetual cuvee. Uh, We've come across this in places that we've already talked about. We talked about this in Marsala. Um, This is also often used in Champagne, though it really does get credited with sherry. There's lots of places that use the Solera method. And though many of us have never heard of a Commandaria or had a Commandaria, much like Marsala or in the case of Madeira a few times for us, it is a very niche product that is not wholly common. And due to the long history, it is really considered to be one of the world's great sweet wines. So if you do see it out there anywhere on your travels, I would highly suggest tasting it. I mean, how great is it to taste a wine that's been historically made in the same way 
for thousands of years. So the last thing really to talk about is who is making wine here. And that is also a bit of a complicated answer. There's lots of people, um, but the easiest way to answer this is that it's mostly still co-ops. Keo, K-E-O, and Ecto, E-K-T-O, are some of the larger ones. But there's also some local independent producers kind of peppered in. As far as I could come across, one of the most respected and commercial of these is the Calamos Winery, uh, which located or is located in Paphos. Paphos? Paphos? <laughs> these words are hard for me to say. And uh, they make a range of dry table wines as well as they also make a commandaria. There has been sort of more of a trend towards moving to independent wine production on the island, and we may see indeed more wine uh, coming through on international markets from Cyprus soon, and maybe a wider range too, uh, which sounds great after making this episode. I would really like to try these wines. So if you are in a place that is not Canada and you have access to these wines, maybe you try the Calamos wines, please, please drop me a line. I really, really, really want to know how they are. Uh, and I guess with that, I can tell you how to drop me a line, <laughs> how to get in touch with me. So if you are enjoying this podcast, uh, if you learned something today about the history of Cyprus or the style of wine or Kamandaria, uh, just take 10 seconds to scroll down and give me a review and a rating. That goes a really long way to let me know that you're enjoying the show. Uh, but you can also check me out on Instagram. That's at Housewine Podcast on Instagram or at Rachel Picard. Rachel Picard, A-E-L uh, and Picard like the captain. Uh, and Housewine also has an email, housewinepodcast at gmail.com. If you ever want to send a correction or a comment. I love, love, love hearing from you guys. And I have a few corrections coming up that are written into the next episode. So we can all get excited for that. But yeah, if you see any Commandaria out there, if you see any Cypriot wine, please try it. Please let me know how it is. I think this is such an exciting place and an exciting wine region. And I can't wait to try their wines for myself. Uh, and in the meantime, have a great couple weeks, and I will see you in a few. Drink some great wine. Bye. Bye.